we took these two songs, Honest and You Say, and we blended them together because to me it gives this perfect example of how we feel sometimes and how the enemy gets us to feel sometimes and what God says over us. And so I want us to look at that, and there's four thoughts this morning that, that I get from these two songs. And the first one is this, is that we have to stop walking alone. And I say this over and over again, y'all may get isolation, that he wins because we, we thrive in community. We, we, we allow the enemy to thrive in isolation. We become better people better uh, friends, better in relationship when we are in community. So if you look at the, the lyrics of the honest song, it says, if I'm being honest, I'm not being honest. Uh, pause right there. How many have ever felt that way, right? Where you're like, you know, I'm putting it on a show for everybody. I'm saying what you want me to hear. But if I'm being honest, I'm not being honest with you and I'm not being honest with myself. And I love, listen, these, these lyrics are so good. I'll give you roses just hoping you don't see the weeds in my garden. If I'm being honest, I'm at my darkest. And I love this because she doesn't even realize that she wants, that, that the world is crying out for godly people to surround them. It says, if I'm being honest, I'm at my darkest. I'm sitting here waiting, praying for someone to show me what love is. That, that, that set of lyrics is saying, I'm so tired of being alone, but I don't know how not to. I want community, but I don't know how to get it. I want people in my life that are going to build me up, that are going to encourage me, that aren't going to tear me down, that I don't have to be fake with, that on my worst days, they can hold me, and on my best days, they are, they are championing with me, and vice versa. I don't want to go around looking like everything's okay, and I don't want to go around just being Eeyore, everything's down, and, and, and you know those people, you don't want to be around them either. Like, both sides of it. If you're faking it, nobody wants to be around a fake. If you're always doom and gloom, nobody wants to be around that. And where you find the balances is when you find good community that walks you through, walks you through helping being healed in the bad times and championing with you in the good. The cry for help which most often we keep to ourselves in our head and we never let out for someone else to know. That you're drowning but, and you need a lifeguard, but you don't want to ask for that. Could you imagine being in the pool? Actually, actually it's interesting that I say that the, and, the, and the visual that came to mind was this video that I saw one time and uh, maybe you've seen it on, on uh, YouTube or Facebook, but this guy is, is working out and he's got the chest, uh, he's doing bench press and, and he's got the bar all up against his chest and it's rolling down to his neck and there's a guy standing next to him and he's like, hey, bro, can I help you? He goes, no, I got it. I'm okay. You don't know my family. You don't know what we deal with. And he goes, yeah, but I can help lift the bar off of your neck so you don't die. And so many times in life, we're like, but yeah, you don't know my story. You don't know how bad it was for me. You don't know my, my family. You don't know what I've came from. So you, you can never know what it's like. And here's the thing. I don't need to know. I, I, I maybe be a little blunt today. I don't need empathy necessarily. Because sometimes all I need to do is walk alongside you. Maybe you need somebody completely opposite of you to get you out of where you're at and to pull you in where God wants you to pull. Not to say, hey, it doesn't matter, but to say, hey, don't stay there. Don't, don't do it alone. Don't just sit there and go, well, this is just who I am. This is who I'll always be. This is, just, this is just my personality. Don't let that lie become who you are. 
James 5, 13 through 16 says this, if anyone, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And he, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, with all that in mind, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And there's three things in that scripture that I want you to hear. First and foremost is that you got to take the mask off. You got to stop going to the drawer and picking the everything's okay mask up and putting it on just so that everybody sees a smile on your face. Are you sick and needing to, needing prayer? Ask for it. Are you going through something and you need people around you that are going to build you up and encourage you? You got to ask for it. And one of the worst things as a pastor is when people go, pastor, I was in the hospital and nobody came and visited me. Who'd you tell? Well, nobody. So I'm a magician? Like, like me and my lead team are just supposed to, our leadership team is just supposed to know, like, oh, it feels like somebody's in the hospital today. We should maybe just walk up there and figure it out. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. You've got to let us know. There are going to be times where, where we check in with people because we're like, oh, hey, haven't seen them in a while. Or, hey, I think they're walking through. Last night is a perfect example. That storm came through. Me and Stephanie got in my, uh, my patrol car because with lights and sirens, I could kind of get through places that if I needed to. Um, but we, we, we put a, a chainsaw in the trunk, and, and, we, and we took off, and we started checking on people's houses. But we didn't go knock on doors. We didn't like, oh, hey, look, you know, there's... How are y'all doing? I, I text. A few of you got text messages. A few of you uh, got, you know, Facebook messages. Um, and and, and some, of, some of you, you had no clue, but we drove down your street just to make sure everything was okay. So sometimes you're not going to even know that we're checking in on you. But if we don't know, if the body of Christ doesn't know that one another is hurting, then how can we lean in and help one another? We've got to take the mask off, and we've got to start reaching out to one another. We've got to start doing life together. It doesn't mean that everything you do has to be with somebody, but you should be doing life with people. And you've got to take that mask off with not everybody. Not everybody needs to know your business. Not everybody needs to know your secrets. No, not everybody needs to know what you're walking through in the deepest parts. But those that are trusted, those that can not take what you're giving and, and give it away, but to hold it in and to walk with you through it, that's the stuff that you take off those masks with those people and you allow them to help heal because that's what the Bible says. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another because that's how you find healing. You find prayer partners and battle buddies. You find people that are going to link arms with you and say, I've got you. Now, here's the thing. If I link arms with Sean, right, and, and in life, we do life together. Man, when Sean's going through it, he's calling me up. Hey, man, I need some prayer. When I'm going through it, hey, Sean, pray for me, and we link arms. It doesn't mean, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Sean's constantly always going to be perfect in being a good friend and being a good prayer partner, and bring a good battle buddy. In, in our, he, he's human. He's going to make mistakes. So I'm not holding him up to perfection. I'm holding him up to a place where I trust you, and I want you in my life. Now, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. There's, you got a family, and you've got like 8,000 kids running around. And so, 
right? So, so there's going to be times where he doesn't answer his phone or he doesn't see his text message. And so I've got to have grace with people that I've invited in my life to say, hey, if he's busy, he'll get back to me. Not the, and, and the manipulate, I can't stand manipulation. I cannot stand the blame game. Well, I just waited by the phone, Sean. You're supposed to be there. Am I begging God? Why weren't you there? And he's like, I'm out. I'm like, I'm, no. Like, you go find yourself another prayer partner battle buddy because I'm not it. It's, it's, it's trusting one another. It's not manipulation. It's not, oh, every time I need you, you need to be there. It's, it's, it's we have chosen to link arms. And so I know that, that if I call him and I leave him a voicemail or if I text him and, and I say, hey, man, I, I could really use some help, you know, praying, pray for me. Maybe, maybe it's I just simply tell him what I need prayer for and I trust that he's going to pray for me. Maybe it's, maybe it's I say, hey, hit me back up when you've got a chance. But we've got to have people in our lives that, that when we're going through it, when we're having those times of our life, both the good and the bad, listen, the people, here's what we can't do, is, is Sean cannot just be there to be there when things are bad. Because eventually he's going to be like, bro, you're so negative. I, I, I can't be around that. He has to be there both in the times where I'm struggling and vice versa, but also when things are going great and we are championing one another. Matter of fact, uh, this morning he came in and I, I, uh, Tony wasn't able to make it because I'm guessing of the weather. Uh, and uh, and I, I, Sean is one of our flexible people on the band. I, I just said, hey, I need you on bass instead of guitar. And he said, bet, cool, got you. And I said, I'm sorry that I threw it on you last minute. He goes, man, he goes, thank you. He goes, you have, uh, you have actually like just helped me grow as a musician and putting me in all these different areas. He goes, I, I found a, a, a passion for picking up the drums again. And, and, and it's those kind of things. It's working together in life and, and, and passions together and, and going through life together where you have somebody you know you can trust and build up life with. But I know that if I needed to, um, and his wife, uh, Tesh, uh, she just did it on Facebook Messenger this week uh, while we were gone. And John's like, he probably didn't even know. She just sent me a a message just saying, man, I'm praying for you and stuff. I just want you to know that. It's the little things that when you are connected that way, that you have this link, and it's not just, oh, we go to church together, or, oh, yeah, we, we see each other every now and then, but all of a sudden, we do life together. Last, uh, almost, I'll, I'll tell you, every storm that happens, any major storm, Eric texts me. And it's not because he doesn't think that I can handle my own. It's because we have a good relationship. And so he wants to make sure, hey, are you okay? Do I need to come over? And, and, I, and I return the favor, and I say, hey, are you, are, are you and your family okay? And he was like, hey, we're without power, but, the, but we're okay. And so it's that, it's that idea. It's not just church-related, but we are doing life together. If something's going on, man, I want, we, want, we need to have people in our life that are going to pick up and walk with us through everything. We say it all the time. You can't do life alone because we are better together. Like a wolf who separates a sheep from the herd and the, sh- and the shepherd, that is what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to get you isolated so he can use depression and worry, anxiety, fear, doubt, past hurts to get you to buy into living isolated. But you are not what you've been through as long as you don't let it name you and become your identity. And that's the key to that. When people say, well, you don't understand, this is who I am, it's because they have sat in it long enough that they don't know any other way, and they have allowed it to name them and become their identity. 
I'll tell you one of my, my biggest pet peeves with uh, the, the AA or DA or any other A, the, the drug, and, uh, uh, drug and Alcohol Anonymous uh, programs. I think there's a lot that they do that's really good. But what I don't like is when they make somebody who's, you know, been uh, alcohol-free for like 20 years stand up and say, hi, my name's Scott, I'm an alcoholic. 20 years without a drop and you're still identifying yourself with the negative things that have impacted your life. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to hold on to your past. He wants you to hold on to your hurt. He wants you to hold on to the things that have weighed you down and and get you to be anything other than what God wants you to be. And he wants you to hold on to that and let it become your identity. So we can't do life alone. We cannot walk through life alone. The the second thing that we see in the song is that we walk through it. We don't camp in it. We walk in it. We walk through it, but we don't camp in it, right? Listen to these lyrics. Every time I'm past the hardest part, Here comes another go just to pull me through the dark. I thought it was over. God, let this be over. But there's there's encouragement in that line if you you missed it. It says, every time I'm past the hardest part. I didn't camp in the hardest part. I didn't let the hardest part defeat me. I didn't let the hardest part, part, hardest fart. (laughs) After 20-something years of preaching, it finally happened. The hardest part take you down, make you something you're not. We're not camping in the hardest parts of life. We like this line. Every time a hard part comes, we get through it knowing that eventually, yes, there's going to be another hard season. That's what life is. It's a, it's a life is a, a set of seasons of both good and hard times. And the enemy wants you to, to camp in the hard times and never see the benefits and the blessings. The enemy wants you to camp in the hard times and get woe is me and I'm so hor- horrible and I'm this and that. And, and we, we camp in the hard times. We never see the blessing that God is pulling us through. Listen, we have to go through things. You cannot force yourself to, to not confront life circumstance. It's how we grow. It's how we get stronger. It's how we build our spiritual faith and how we trust in God. We probably are all very familiar with Psalm 23, even if you don't know you are, because it's like on a lot of things. Um, But a few verses of that says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though, and here's the thing, that first part of it sounds so great. It's like, oh, God leads me to all these beautiful places. And then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The same God that leads you by still waters and green pastures is the same God that leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. That same God. It's the same God that says, hey, look, Things are great. You have good moments. You you have powerful moments in your life. You've experienced God. It's that same God that's going to walk you through the worst moments of your life. He says, I lead you by still waters, but I also lead you through the, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, and I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. When you don't walk through hard things in your life, 
when you don't confront the things and walk through moments of your life that are difficult, you stop growing. You stop growing as a person. You stop growing uh, faithfully to God because you are saying, I don't trust you enough, God. Let that sink in for a moment. When you walk through hard times and you run from them, it's not just a, an indictment to yourself to say that you, th- you don't think that you can handle it. It's also an indictment to your faith to say that you, even if you don't think you can handle it, you don't believe that God can handle it. And God says, I'm the God that walks you by still waters, but I'm also the God that walks you through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're not going to camp there. We're going to walk through there. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says this. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, this is Paul writing to the uh, church at Corinth. He's saying, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from being become proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, how many many times have you asked God, God, please don't make me walk through that. Please please take this circumstance away. Please, can we get on with life? (laughs) I'm done sitting in this toilet bowl of a circumstance. And sometimes we stay there because like Paul, we keep asking and God's saying, I'm trying to teach you something. So have you asked the right question? Because we think the right question is, God, when is this going to end? He thinks the right question is this, how am I going to grow? We want out and he wants up. God, we, we, want, we want to divert the problem. We want to get rid of the problem. And God's saying, I want you to walk through it so that you can become the best version of you according to my glory and according to my purpose in your life so that you could be the best version and not escape every single time something bad or hard happens. He says, you need to walk through it. You don't need to avoid it. Stop being an avoided person. You know, uh, don't allow avoidance to be the way that you handle circumstances, but learn how to healthily confront. And there is a massive difference. We, we think confrontation is bad. Confrontation is not bad. Healthy confrontation is good. Bad confrontation is not good. And, and what do I mean by, by that? Bad confrontation is, is me and Sean get in an argument, and I start to tear him down. And I pick him apart. And I attack him. Good confrontation says, we've got a problem, now let's resolve it by not fighting each other, but by talking about the conflict. Here's the issue. Here's where we maybe misunderstood each other. Here's where things got off. And one of two things is either going to happen. Either one, we're going to resolve it and our friendship's going to stay strong, or we're going to agree to disagree and at least we will have had the conversation and we won't hate each other. We won't have animosity. We won't be like, well, I hope, you know, and, and the unforgiveness that reigns in our life that they could care less about. Because I've said it before, forgiveness is really the setting a captive free and the finding out that the captive was you yourself because Sean's going to live his life regardless. When we seek forgiveness, it releases us from the hurt and the pain that we feel. But when we, conf- when we have healthy confrontation, hey, I felt hurt like th- by this. 
And you don't have to have a, a whole, you know, Dr. Phil moment where, you know, people are like, well, how'd that make you feel? No. Listen, I felt hurt. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Cool. Thanks for apologizing. Cool. A lot of times that's how conversations, especially with guys, maybe girls, it's a little different. But guys is like, I felt hurt. Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you for apologizing. If I did anything wrong, let me know. Cool. Have a good day. You know? <laughs> and, and, and some people, it's a, it's a and, and, and those are a little bit more long drawn out and have good conversation about it and, and how we can change. And that's the thing. Healthy, uh, healthy confrontation typically leads to, to positive changes in our lives. Pleasure in the pain because I become more like Christ and I grow through my suffering, which is such a horrible line that we, we, we try to avoid. But the reality is there is no major growth without going through those hard times. So then we get to kind of the, 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 the changeover, right? We've got this song that's, that's inward focus, me, I feel this way, I feel this way. And then the song switches over to you say, and this is where we get what God says. And the, and the third thing that I got for you this morning is God speaks over you. And I think we miss so much of what God has to speak to us because we busied our life with so much other than the voice of God. Despite what the enemy would have to say about you and to you, God speaks truth over you. The question becomes this, are you listening? Because God can speak over you and you not hear it. Because you're not connected to the ways that God is speaking to you. We have got to be able to hear him and to hear his word and to, to, to hear that. Romans 4, 6 in the Passion Translation says this, even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. My question is, do you seek out his voice in your life? Or is it just by happenstance? You know, when something good, when, when, when you, when you uh, pray like you feel something or, or maybe you pick up your Bible every so often you read it and something jumps out. Or do you, are you specific in seeking out the voice of God in your life? Do you have a, a routine of, of devotion with him, a, a routine of prayer with him, a, a routine of worship with God? When the enemy is trying to label you, uh, give you lies from your past or partial truths or allow what others think of you and say about you to become the focus? Or do you hear God's voice in those? Because it's real easy to, 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 to take on the label of other people. It's real easy to take on the, the lies of the enemy and the lies of people. It's real easy to take on the hurts of other people. And God says that what other people think of you is far less valuable than what I think of you. Now, you can't say, well, God calls me a child of God and I'm just going to do whatever I want, you know, and reputation be dang. But, you know, reputation is how what other people think of you, that you have allowed, that you have given them to believe that. But the reality is, is that your past is gone. And so whatever anybody says of your past, whatever anybody says of who you were, it means nothing in the eyes of Christ when you have said, God, I want your forgiveness. I want to live a different life. I want to live in newness of Christ. All of that doesn't even matter. And though the enemy, all he has is your past to hold you against. The past that the enemy said you're free from. The past that, the, that, that Christ says no longer exists in his eyes. The enemy would like to hold you and bound you to that. 
In that song, it says, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, you say I am yours. And so I believe. It is not about feeling it. It is about believing it. And so many of us, our emotion of having to feel it before we believe it is what holds us back from knowing that God loves and cares and purposes for us. Is that I don't feel it, so how can I believe it? Well, belief has nothing to do with what you feel. Belief says, despite my feelings, despite what I see, despite what's being said over me, I know what God says. You need to find scripture that speaks of your worth in God your value, not because of who you are. Because here's the thing about value. When it comes to, to the kingdom of God, your value is not in what you can do. You can do nothing in light of God's glory. You can't earn salvation and you can't earn his love. So when you make a mistake, there's no amount of makeup. You know, like, Listen, in, in relationships and marriages, like you make a mistake, you like, okay, if I just do maybe some of this stuff, then it'll be, it'll be forgiven and, and, and I'll get back in the, out of the doghouse, right? Guys, we, we understand that. We know that like, when I make a mistake, there's something I can do. There's something I can say. There's something I can buy. There's something I can cook. There's some work that can be done that can get me out of this doghouse. And with God, that's not the case. When you make a mistake, it was never your mistake that keeps you or holds back God's love. And so he says, it's, there's no amount of makeup uh, work or makeup sayings or things that you can do to, to earn God's love. He, he just is. He loves you. When What he wants is a repentive heart that is willing to learn and grow with him. He doesn't want actions that look a certain way. He wants a life that is pliable in his hand. To say, hey, I made a mistake, God, and I'm sorry. Cool. Your value is never in your mistakes. Your value is in who I am in you. Think about being a prince or a princess. This sounds silly, right? But think about that. A prince and a princess, their value isn't in them. They don't hold any value in themselves alone. Their, their value is in who their father is, the king. Right? You watch enough shows. Stephanie loves uh, time period movies and, and shows, and so we watch a lot of them. Um, and you see them, right? Those time periods where, where uh, what was the one that we just watched? Oh, the Cinderella Ever After or whatever it is, uh, where, uh, is it Drew Barrymore? Yeah, uh, where, you know, she's Cinderella and whatever, and she gets in this uh, spitting contest with the prince, and, and she's, like, going to town on him and, like, really reading him the riot act. Why? Because in her mind, she realizes that his, his only value is who his father is, the king. So when I don't have to live out of my own value and my own strength and my own things, and I know that my value is in God, that I don't, the weight is lifted off of my shoulder to have to try to be perfect or to try to be anything other than who God has said for me to be. So when I feel alone, God says I'm not. And I'm going to buy into that more than I'm going to buy into the thought. When God says, when, when I say, God, I can't do it, and he says, no, you are a son of mine, and every son of mine can, then I'm going to believe on that, and it's going to give me the encouragement to stand up in my circumstance and walk through it with him, because I know I might not be able to, but I know a God who can. My last thought, what I'm going to end with is this, is the song talks about our identity. 
Christ is my identity. So when you look at those, those four things, right, that we got to stop walking alone. We've got to invite people into our life. We've got to walk through it and not camp in it. And we've got to turn the tide from our thought process of inward thinking and allow God to speak over us and not listen to the lies of the enemy, the lies of the world, and the lies of, uh, of, of what the, the enemy is trying to proclaim over you. And then we get to, it really holds dear to the fact that Christ is our identity. You see it in the lyrics of Lauren Daigle's song, The Only Thing That Matters Now. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Those are powerful, powerful statements. Who you are is directly connected to whose you are. Who you are is directly connected to whose you are. And, and by the way, just so that you all know, because every prideful person would like to say, I'm not owned by nobody. I'm my own free man. Lies. You're owned by somebody. Either the enemy, the devil, or, or, or Christ our Savior. Now, the enemy would like to give you pride enough to think that even he doesn't have control over you, but he does. He knows what he's doing. How you live decides who's your owner, who's the master of your life. The greatest part about it is that, the, that God, when he wants to be master, he doesn't lord it over you, but he actually partners with you in this life so that you have the best available life you can. Who you are is directly tied to whose you are. Sharice, you can come up. I'm going to end with this scripture. Ephesians 4, 23 through 24 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. When I read that scripture earlier this week, actually last week while we were on vacation when I was going over my message, I stopped at that line, created to be like God. Now that, that, listen, that line could get real twisted real quick. People say, see, we're, we're meant to be a God. No, not at all. There's one of those, and I really wouldn't want to be one anyways. But what it's saying is that when you come to Christ and you lay your life down at his feet, and you say, Christ, I want to live like you. I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of you. What he says is we're going to start the process. So there's salvation, which is free. It's that moment you say, Jesus, I come to follow you. It doesn't have to be in a fancy prayer. It doesn't have to be um, in a room full of people. It doesn't, you don't need somebody to lead you. Literally, the Bible says that, that Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth. We like the profess with our mouth part because it's really easy to say a prayer after me. Let's step on church toes for a minute. Not y'all's toes, pastor toes. Because pastors, we love this moment, right? When we get to the end of a message and we go, everybody bow your eyes and close your heads and or bow your heads and close your eyes. Whew, I'm on a roll. 
And, and, and we get to that point and we're like, listen, if you don't know Jesus or if you've walked away from him and, 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 and you've done this, then raise your hand and repeat this prayer after me. And we get you to buy into this like, oh, yeah, this is powerful. This is a moment. We've got the music playing. The lights are turned down. I put my pastor voice on. God says he loves you. You can have spiritual manipulation, by the way. And I think pastors do it without even realizing we're doing it. And I don't make fun of it because, I, listen, I believe that God moves and, and God can move in a room with all of that. But I can't force you to follow him. I may be able to force and manipulate you to say a prayer. But if you only have half of the equation, you don't have the full equation, right? So if you've got the profess with your mouth, but you don't have the believe in your heart, And it's pointless. It's feeling-based. And feelings will flee. At the first sign of trouble, at the first time where you feel like God isn't with you, you will run away from him. But when Christ is your identity, and you fall at the feet of a Savior, and you say, I choose to follow you, he says, good. Now let's start the process of sanctification, which is the process that it is a lifetime process of looking more like him. I talk about my 1% rule. Every day I want to be 1% closer to Jesus than I was the day before. 1%, I want to be a better human being based off of biblical examples and purposes than I was the day before. And when I do that, God is sanctifying me closer to his purpose for my life, and he is creating me to look like him, to be God. Not to be a God, but to be like my God. That I carry the same attitude as Christ. I carry the same character and values of Christ. And here's the, here's the cool part. I carry the same Holy Spirit that has the same power as Christ did. So when you walk into a room and you feel like somebody needs prayer, you're no longer looking around looking for the pastor or looking for the worship leader or looking for the, the, the Bible study leader or the kids ministry leader. You, you, you know I've got this because I, the same God that's in me is the same God that was in Christ that walked around and literally healed the lepers and, and, and healed the sick and the blind. If, 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 if Jesus said that the same God that, that is in me will be in you and do the, do even, listen, Jesus said this, even better, bigger things you will do. I've never healed the sick like he has. But I know that the God that is in me can I've, I, I've prayed for people who had cancer and they survived it. I've prayed for people and watched their, their bodies be healed, whether it's by miracle or medicine. I know that prayers mattered. I've watched and prayed for people come out of suicidal thoughts and depression. And so it's that process of as I get closer that to God, I am creating the character of Christ in me and his identity is who I am my identity, who I am, who I represent, who I live for, how I behave, how I think is tied to who I connect my soul to. If I am his, then I will act in his likeness. 
Will you pray with me this morning? I think that last part is the part where I think a lot, all of this is, is kind of weighted on. Maybe you're living in a way where Christ isn't your identity. It's not that you haven't chose to follow him. It's not that you haven't asked for forgiveness of sins. It's that you have been trying to do this on your own while trying to be a Christian. That you've been trying to, to live out an identity in Christ while at the same time trying to do it on your own. And maybe if that's you in the room, there's no magic prayer, but I would love to pray for you. If that's you, you're saying, man, I just need to, I need to release my identity to, to Christ. I want to, I want to live in his value. I want to live in his character. I want to live for his purpose, and I want to fall at his feet and ask for him to guide and lead me. If that's you in the room, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. It's not, like I said, there's no magic prayer. Amen. 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 Father, I believe that there's power in, in, in your plan for our lives. So Jesus, I pray that, that those that have said, you know what, like, I know what it's like to, to sit there and say, I believe that Christ has forgiven me of my sins, but I don't know the next step. And, and God, we're praying and asking that you would give us that next guided step, that we would fall at your feet and we would get in your word and we would get in a, in a community of people that would guide us and lead us to, to value who you are in our life, Jesus. That when we live our life outside of the four walls of the church, that the, the community we live in would be life-changing. That we have the capability of praying for people. We have the capability of believing for healing over people. We have the capability of seeing miracles happen in the midst of just normal everyday life at work and at friend's house and family's house. And we have that capability if we would just believe. We'd stop believing the lies of the enemy. God, I pray against depression, anxiety, worry, fear, lies, hatefulness. The tools of the enemy that gets us to stop moving in the direction that God has for us. That, that get us to a point where we camp in our failures and we camp in our sorrows and we camp in our past mistakes and hurts instead of walking through them and trusting Jesus. So Father, lead us. This week, lead us, God. Lead us at our workplaces. Lead us in our friend groups. God, lead us in a way that we show off the glory and goodness of God to the world around us. That lives would be changed. Souls would be saved. And our community here in Camden would become closer to you because we choose to live out a life that is identified by Christ. We love you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. God, I thank you for those that financially give to the church. I thank you that they are partnering not with a person, not with a building, but with a kingdom that makes a difference. Bless them. We love you, Jesus, and we, we go to make you famous everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.